Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, brought to you by Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward. Each week I feature a different aspect of Disney weddings, from the latest news, information, and money-saving tips, to interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney brides and grooms. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates romance at Disney destinations worldwide. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, we are talking all about shopping for a bridal gown. This can be one of the most stressful things. It can be one of the most fun things, uh, but it's a big deal and it's a lot of money. So today we are going to go over some of the basics. I have as my guest today, Alan Fields, who is the co-author with Denise Fields of Bridal Bargains. And this book was my Bible when I was planning my wedding, especially when before I decided to have a Disney wedding. This book was it answered so many questions. It covers everything, starting from the bridal gown all the way through the reception. And really, even if you're having a Disney wedding and you don't really need a traditional wedding planner, I highly recommend this book because the section on finding a wedding dress will save you so much money. It saved me $850. I had gone to a bridal salon, tried on a dress I really loved. They said it was $1,350 if I wanted to order a new one, or they could give me the sample that I had just tried on for a mere $700. Well, this thing was the wrong color. It was like almost brown. It had a ballpoint pen mark on the front of it, the zipper was broken, and there was makeup inside it. And they were like, oh yeah, that'll all come out, don't worry. And they wouldn't go any lower than $700. So I thought, you know, I've read Bridal Bargains. I think I'm being taken for a ride here. So I started looking around online, and sure enough, I figured out that it was what they call a no-label gown, which Alan is going to talk about in a second here, and this is kind of a big trick to watch out for, where you cannot find out how much this gown is actually worth. You just have to take the bridal salon's word for it, when in fact they are paying almost nothing for it, and they're charging you a bunch of money. So I knew I should not pay $1,350 or even $700 hundred dollars for this dress and I was able to find it on eBay through an actual reputable brick and mortar wedding gown seller in the Midwest who was also selling on eBay. She got me a brand new one, shipped it to my house, everything five hundred dollars included, all included. So this book saved me eight hundred and fifty dollars and I think it can help you too. And today we're gonna talk to Alan and get his tips. So welcome to the show, Alan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I'm really glad that you could be on the show today because, again, the wedding dress can be a huge deal for brides when they're doing the planning. And when they cost, apparently the average cost of a wedding gown right now is $1,100. So this is not a purchase to be taken lightly. It's not like just buying a regular party dress because many of them you can't just buy off the rack unless you go someplace like David's. But usually they have to order them and that can take six months or more, or sometimes they tell you it can take six months or more, even if it doesn't. Um, sizes are all over the map. You Sometimes you can't just walk in and say, hey, I'm a size six and try on a size six and have it fit. Maybe you're a four for them. Maybe you're a 10 for that designer. So that can also be kind of frustrating. Uh, and then on top of the cost, you also have to pay for alteration and accessories. And the transaction itself, 
it's a lot of money. You're dealing with a shop that you are never going to have to deal with again. And a lot of them, unfortunately, can take advantage of this by hiking their prices, by engaging in shady business practices, and they are notorious for going out of business. So Alan is going to tell us how to avoid all of these pitfalls <laughs> when you are shopping for your dress. Yes, well, you kind of summed it up there. Thank you. <laughs> That's the end of the podcast. Thank you very much. No, uh, yeah, the, uh, you're right. It's a very expensive purchase. Now, of course, everyone wants to look. You know, who doesn't want to look on your wedding dress? You're obviously going to have a gazillion photos taken. You know, it's, it's a very important day. It's a very emotional purchase. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, you get bombarded with you know, all the reality TV shows out there that focus on wedding dresses and weddings in general and, uh, you know, wedding websites that, you know, basically kind of drum into your, your, your head there that you have to have the perfect dress. So uh, you're right. Unlike any other dress that you've ever purchased before, this is a completely unique, kind of a just bizarre process. And one of the things you mentioned earlier is kind of a funny comment, too, because one of the things that, that also frustrates people is that uh, bridal gown sizes don't really match with real world sizes. And you would think that if you wore a size six in the real world, that your wedding dress size would be smaller or something, <laughs> you know, something that would make you feel better. But no, of course, it's the other way. And uh, just one example of the kind of insanity is like if you're a six in street clothes, you're you're an eight, a ten, or a twelve in wedding dresses. And you know, no, nothing to make anyone feel feel special than be told that their four dress sizes larger than their street clothes. <laughs> yeah, like you say, you'd think after all these years they would have figured out that they should go lower to make us all feel better. Right. <laughs> yeah, the marketing people missed that missed that point, yes. So first of all, how soon should one start shopping for a gown? You hear of girls who find a gown two years before their wedding and they hang on to it. Sometimes you also hear that they then find one later that they like better. Um, and then you hear of people who are like, oh my goodness, I'm getting married in two months. Where can I get a dress at this late in the game? That's a good question. You know, we generally recommend that you leave between five and six months before your wedding to actually make the purchase of your dress. Many dresses are special ordered. Uh, you can buy a dress off the rack. There are stores that sell them off the rack, and that's a perfectly fine alternative. But a, a lot of other dresses, especially if you're looking at some of the designer gowns, uh, you know, the more expensive ones that you might see in magazines, they have to be special order. They can take between 12 and 16 weeks, sometimes 20 weeks to get in. And, you know, 20 weeks, you do, do the math, that's five months. Then you actually have to leave time to alter the dress because you're ordering this dress and you, you think it would actually fit you. No. You need to leave another two or three weeks to have it altered, sometimes longer. And especially if you're getting, mar getting married in kind of a very busy season like the summer or, you know, like if your wedding's in June, you're running in the middle of prom season as well for a lot of these shops. And so they're, you know, they're crazy busy. So you're right. I would say four to six months is a good time to, to leave. You know, most engagements today last uh, a year or more. That's not that not that hard, but uh, leaving it to the last moment with two months before your wedding is usually a bad idea. <laughs> now, who should you take with you when you go shopping? Well, as as few as few people as you can. One of those funny things about those reality shows, you know, when they bring like fifteen <laughs> friends and relatives with them, and you know, and and and, and everyone's yelling and screaming, and. And, you know, someone, the one bridesmaid wants it to be about the dress that she never had for her, you know, her wedding or whatever. It's, uh, the reality is I take one trusted person with you, someone who you value their opinion, who's going to tell you, uh, you know, the truth about how you look in a dress. 
You do not take someone who wants to sort of hijack it. You know, you don't. Bridal dresses are not you know, picking one is not a democracy. It's real. You know, you shouldn't have opened it up for a floor vote among eight bridesmaids. It's just a bad, a bad idea. So one trusted person is the best way to go. Definitely. And the salesperson is not your friend. They are going to tell you you look good in everything. <laughs> you look beautiful in everything. And the more more money it is, the, the more beautiful you look. Right. Yeah, I didn't take anybody shopping with me. I did one excursion with a friend, which was a lot of fun, but I tried on a ton of dresses and I went by myself and it was great because I could just zero in with this laser focus and not worry about you know what everybody else was saying. Well, that's a good point. I mean, you don't have to take someone with you. I mean, you, you, if you feel pretty confident about how, you know, the vision you want to achieve, you know, sometimes it's helpful to have another person just to bounce an idea off of or just discuss things. But your reality is you can go by yourself. That's great. Now, what are the pros and cons of going to a chain store like David's Bridal or Alfred Angelo versus going to an independent boutique? Well, there are quite a few. uh, If you go out to a mall today, you'll probably see some of these uh, bridal chain stores. David's is probably the the most well-known national brand. The advantage of a chain store like that is that they, they sell many dresses off the rack. Now, in some cases, they, they still will special order a dress for you if they don't have the right size in. So it's not a guarantee that you'll find something there. But one of the advantages is these are big stores, 10,000 square feet stores, and they stock hundreds of gowns. And you can just go in there, find something you like, and, and walk out with it. And that is definitely an advantage. The disadvantage is that most of the chain stores sort of sell more low-end gowns. Most of them are polyester. They're, they're typically not the kind of upper-end designer labels that you would, you know, you see online. Uh, the advantage of going to a specialty boutique is is that you'll probably see labels that might be imported from Europe and other other, you know, more unique looks, not kind of the run of run of the mill sort of chain store look. So maybe more unique designs if you go to a specialty store, but you'll pay for it. The prices are usually higher. Interesting. And now this always I didn't know what this was when I first started shopping. What is a trunk show? Can you explain a trunk show? Yes, I know it's kind of it's like a whole bizarre world uh, shopping for a dress. One of one of the weird things are trunk shows. And uh, one of the things that we and we kind of talk about this the whole concept of trying to buy a dress at a trunk show. We have a a whole uh, little mini section on that in our book, but in a nutshell Bridal gown designers are sort of like rock stars. They occasionally go on tour. And what a trunk show is, is a bridal dress designer will fill up a trunk of all their dresses, every dress in the line, and will go on tour to different bridal shops on different days. And they're basically there for a weekend or a couple days. And they they have their entire line. And you can meet with the designer. Sometimes you can make changes to a dress. So this is a good idea if you fall in love with one particular designer and there's a trunk show in your area and you can go meet the designer and talk you know, more about that. So it's kind of a throwback maybe to the days before China made everything and chain stores and, and you know, David's Bridal. It's kind of a throwback to maybe what life was like uh, 30 years ago. All right. The one thing that was sort of a rude awakening for me was that this is not a sale. <laughs> a trunk show just because the designer is there with all their dresses. Yeah, that's a good point. People think, ooh, a trunk show. No, that doesn't mean that it's – the gowns are not on sale, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, you're, you're paying full price and sometimes more. Uh, and if you start making changes to a dress, they're not free. Uh, so, And there's a lot of pressure because it's a trunk sale. The dress will only be here today. It's going to be gone tomorrow. You'll never see it again. You know, that kind of 
sales pressure that uh, you, you have to be pretty strong-willed to go do one of these shows. Uh, and, you know, it, it can work out for some people, but you're right. The gowns are not on sale. <laughs> now, what are some indicators of a high-quality gown versus a low-quality gown? Obviously, when you're in David's, you can expect to see a lot of things. If it isn't labeled polyester, the fancy name they've given it is another word for polyester. But if you're in a higher-end boutique and you notice something that maybe would clue you in if the dress is not really worth what they're charging. Right, that's a good point because, uh, you know, when you shop for wedding dresses, they're all white. <laughs> so, you know, what exactly, you know, they're various shades of white. But, you know, they're, what exactly is a quality wedding dress? And one of the things that we found is that uh, the better dresses have sewn-on detailing. You look at the seams of the dress. There, there shouldn't be any visible threads you know, if you can see threads that are showing through the seams, that's a sign of cheap kind of construction. Inside the dress, is the dress lined or is it unfinished inside the dress? Unfinished, obviously, cheaper gowns. Now, let's be honest. If, you, if you're buying a, a $250 or $300 bridal gown, is it going to be lined on the inside? No. Uh, but, you, you know, if, you, if you're talking about a $1,000 dress, oh, yeah, you know, it definitely should be more quality construction. Better dresses are made of silk or very heavy quality, heavyweight satin, and the cheaper dresses are obviously much thinner fabric, usually polyester, although, like you said, they come up with all kinds of fancy names for, for polyester satin. Look at the hemline. Is it a herringbone or a horsehair hem? You know, you can kind of Google those pictures of what those look like, but a horsehair hem shows just better sewing, better construction, and uh, those are just some of the key you know, key things to look for, look on the inside of the dress and you can often see the difference between, you know, a quality garment versus one that was made very cheaply in China. And this is not to knock cheaper gowns. I mean, one of the things I was most excited about with my gown was that it was polyester and I could wad it up in a ball and it would pop out looking perfect and I could practically wash it in the washing machine if I needed to. Like, for me, that was what fit the bill. So it's not that you have to get a high quality gown to have the right kind of gown. Right. Well, I mean, there's some very beautiful silk dresses out there that are affordable. I mean, that you don't have to spend $4,000 to have a silk wedding dress. But, uh, you know, you're right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, polyester, most bridal, bridal gowns, let's be honest, most of them are made of polyester. They're going to say that they're made of satin, but it's polyester satin. <laughs> like, or it's, it's some other fancy name for polyester that, you know, that sounds better than that. Uh, but it's fine. There's nothing wrong with a polyester dress or a satin dress. You know, satin dress that's made of polyester. I totally agree with you. But the question is, like you pointed out, when you were shopping for a dress and you found this dress for, you know, they were marking it over a thousand dollars when you could find it uh, through a discounter for four or five hundred dollars. You know, the reality is, is that sometimes, the, you know, shops will take a dress, claim it's worth over a thousand dollars, but then, like you said, you look inside the dress or something, and it's it's clearly not the same level. It's not quality construction. Yeah, so can you talk a little bit about this? I guess the practice is called tag cutting, or they call them no-label gowns? Yeah, this is one of those uh, frustrating parts about shopping for wedding dresses. You know, if you walk into a, a department store like Nordstrom and you're looking for a party dress, the dresses have tags in them. So you know, not just the designer or the maker, you know where it was made, you know the size of the dress, you know the fabric content. Is it a silk dress? You know, if you're paying top dollar, what is the fabric? Well, unfortunately, in the bridal industry, many shops tear the tags out of dresses. Uh, and they do this to keep you from comparison shopping online. They not only tear out the manufacturer's name, but they'll tear out the fiber content, the, 
you know, they'll tear out everything, any, any identifying market inside the dress. So you're kind of like, you know, shopping blind. Uh, and as a result, there's sort of these no-label gowns that are out there. Uh, many designers today, we found, actually make two different lines of dresses. They'll make an advertised line that they'll put out there, uh, you know, and they'll advertise it in online and in magazines. And then they'll have kind of like a no-advertised line, you know, with a, a no-label dress. And they put those out there to, uh, you know, so the shops can mark them up two or three times, four times over uh, what the wholesale price is, but you can't comparison shop. So it is very frustrating. Yeah, and this that's what happened to me. I don't know how I figured out who made my dress and where it came from because, again, there was no label in it. They were really sketchy. They didn't want me to take a picture. They didn't tell me anything about it. But somehow, through research, I found it on this obscure British website. And as soon as I knew the name and the style number, I was able to find it myself, which is exactly what they didn't want me to do. Right, right. And and, and it is there's a tremendous amount of gown resources out there online today, you know, uh, that's the great thing about getting married in, in 2012 or 2013 is uh, surprise. You know, you can do a lot of research online and you can, even though it's kind of a cat and mouse game, right? We'll try to hide this from you. You can't figure it out. Oh, wait, look, there it is. <laughs> you know? So the reality is, is that, uh, I mean, we, we prefer reputable shops that just, you know, kind of above board. They tell you what you're buying. They're not trying to hide information from you. So if you walk into a shop that does, you know, try and pull those games, you know, there's, there's lots of different stores out there. You don't have to shop in, in a place like that. Yeah. So what are some of the other sketchy sales tactics that people might run into? The, this, uh, this industry, um, the bridal gown business is just sort of notorious for uh, playing on people's emotions. Uh, that's a that's a big one. Where we went to this one shop where when we we were kind of mystery shopping for gowns as we were planning our own wedding and we were looking at dresses and also researching our book and and uh, this one shop was going on and on about how beautiful my wife to be was looking in this two thousand dollar bridal gown and and wanted to take pictures of her for their album of store brides or something and this was back in the day of film cameras and they took some pictures and then they set the camera down to go and answer the the door somewhere else and we realized the camera had no film in it Uh, so this was all you know there's this kind of there's there's like that kind of fake you know we're gonna play on this we're gonna play on your emotions or you know you know if you bring your parent you know if you bring a mother uh of the bride with you, you know, don't you want your daughter to look the very best? Uh, you know, these are the kind of things that, that are um, really frustrating. The other major, you know, one of the scams that, that we've seen is that sometimes shops will intentionally missize the dress to sort of profit on alterations. As we mentioned earlier, you have to buy alterations or a separate purchase. And, you know, if the, if the dress needs more alterations, that is more money for the shop. Sometimes it's not intentionally missizing you, but just sort of sloppiness. Um, so one of the tips that we recommend is that if you special order a dress, make sure you you ask to see the manufacturer's uh, sizing chart, and you actually you know look you compare your measurements to the sizing chart, and you you know you're picking something that is not you know one or two sizes too big. You know, another thing you had mentioned in your book that I was shocked about was um, adding other things to your receipt without you knowing, and then you pay for what you think is just the dress, and then it turns out you've also paid for a wrap and a veil and other things you didn't want, and they're non-refundable. Absolutely, absolutely, that's right. Everything's non-refundable, ladies and gentlemen. You can't take it back once you uh, once you buy the dress, or you know, uh, uh, absolutely. I, I certainly, um, uh, you're right that sometimes when you're trying on a dress, they'll have you try on some shoes and they'll try on, you'll try on some jewelry or you'll try on a, a veil 
or a headpiece. Um, you know, it's the complete look, the complete package. Very nice. And then when you go, if you decide to purchase the dress, then they add, you're right, they add those things to the ticket. Uh, of course, you wanted to buy the, you know, $200 pair of, of shoes, white shoes that you could find at a discount store for 50 bucks. Right. Uh, but, you know, you're right. Uh, they kind of, they, there's pressure. They sort of add to the ticket that way. You don't have to buy the things there, but it's obviously strongly suggested you do. So now what are some ways to save money on a bridal gown? Oh, well, the good news is uh, we came up with like 27 of them <laughs> in our <laughs> book, and we won't uh, go over um, every every last one of them, actually 28. I, I misspoke. There was one I missed. Uh, so you, the good news is you don't have to do all 28. There's lots of creative ways of savings. Throwing out just a couple of them, we kind of talked about, you know, and you mentioned shopping online and finding discounters online. Uh, comparison shop. You know, do not take the very first price that you're quoted for a dress. The great news today, lots of online discounters uh, that can definitely save you money. Pearlsplace.com, rkbridal.com. Uh, all these places will definitely quote you a dress. And sometimes you can definitely save over, you know, over a local shop. I thought one of the kind of neat ways to find it uh, to save is uh, these charity gown sales. Um, one of them is called makingmemories.org, uh, I believe is their website. And they actually do these sort of charity gown sales around the country. They go, they, they go on tour to different – and, and they, the proceeds go to a breast cancer uh, charity. And they have all these designer samples. Sometimes people donate dresses. And they kind of have like this big one or two day sale in a uh, – uh, in a town, and so it's definitely that is definitely a uh, a great way to save, and you kind of help you know help a good cause at the same time. So there's there's all kinds of like amazing kind of things that you you don't think of when you you know you start gown shopping. You think, oh well, it's just David's or or you know or the internet or something, and and surprisingly, it's definitely more than that. So the internet being one great way to save, how do you then ensure that you're going to get a good fit and that what you're getting is actual high quality, not a Chinese knockoff. Absolutely. Well, one of the things to do is to make sure that you're buying from a, a reputable dress site. You can obviously go and check uh, Better Business Bureau records. You can check online, even just doing a Google search. The Knots message boards has lots of you know bride comments, good or bad, about uh, different uh, sources for dresses. Um, I would also you know realize that you, know, you are going to have to have the dress altered you have to find a good local seamstress. Local fabric stores are a good source for that, uh, for finding a good local seamstress. Many of them will have a, you know, referrals to one or two you know, sources that, that would actually um, give you help there. Um, so you're right. I mean, it's some, you know, buy, buying something online, is, it, is the shop real? You know, is the shop an authorized dealer for the dress? Uh, I think that's one of the things you discovered when you were shopping and you, you knew that that uh, discounter was an authorized dealer is that correct right yeah yeah so you know if they're an authorized dealer for that designer you know hello <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're in good standing uh you know that's definitely a big uh you know plus to making sure that that it's um a reputable place so i i would certainly uh take some of those steps just confirm it that that's something that's uh uh, thing the the making memories dot org by the way site I just realized they changed their their website recently it's called uh, now it's called brides against breast cancer and it's bridesabc.org. so uh, if you go there you know you can kind of see you can donate dresses you can find out about all their upcoming events and so you know buying a dress like that off the rack 
that's a good point. You know, you were saying, how do you know it's a reputable? How do you know it's a deal? Well, if you go to kind of one of those one-day sales, it probably is a good idea to actually have been shopping beforehand, because then you can kind of recognize whether is a is a deal or not. Uh, you, you do have to have a little, you know, shopping under your belt to know. Oh, okay, wait a minute. This is definitely, you know, a silk dress for six hundred dollars that would normally retail for two thousand is definitely a deal. That's a good point. Yeah, I often tell people that even if you know you're going to buy it online, try on as many dresses as you can in a store, if only to get an idea of what shapes look good on you. You know, many people find that the dress that they tore out of the magazine and they've been wanting for 20 years, when they try it on, it's totally not flattering to them and something that they wouldn't have considered is. So that's true. Absolutely. You're right. Um, you know, dresses in the real world on real bodies look a lot different than the sort of anorexic models that you see them uh, modeled on you know, in pictures online or in magazines. And you know, people fall in love with a particular look and then they, they go, oh, you know, when they try it on, they go, ooh, you know, it's just not, doesn't look right in the real world. Um, so I totally agree with you. You know, do shop, look around. If you're going to do a charity sale or, or a one day sale, uh, absolutely fine, but but go shopping first if you're looking for an A-line dress or a certain off-the-shoulder look or you know uh, whatever the style is. You might want to make sure that that's that's right for you before you try to hit a sale where there's going to be you know a couple hundred other brides there and it's you know it's busy that kind of thing. And then one of the last few things I wanted to talk about is what if I can't find the one? And this is something I want to address because I think that, like you say, the TV shows, the media build up this idea that there is this dress out there. And when you put it on, the heavens are going to open and the angels are going to sing and everybody in the shop is going to start weeping. And you're going to know that that is the dress for you. And this does happen to people. And that's fantastic. But this did not happen to me, and I know many other people that this did not happen to. And what I say, if you are finding this to be the case, that you're trying on lots of dresses, in my case, I tried on 70 to 80 different dresses. Wow. Yeah, none of them were reaching out and grabbing me by the throat and telling me they were the one. And so I decided I was going to look for the one that. And that meant the one that did the thing I wanted to do. And I decided I wanted the one that made my waist look the smallest. And so that was the one I found. And it looked great. And I loved it. And it was okay that the heavens didn't open. So I say, look for the one that. That's true. And and take a second and kind of look at the different types of dresses that are out there. Some of them, you know, sort of emphasize this or hide that, you know, given where the waistline is, if it's a, you know, Basque waist versus a uh, an empire waist. I mean, first of all, there are all these different styles and terms that, you know, like, whoa, you know, you, things you, you don't normally think about when you go dress shopping. Uh, but you're right. I mean, sometimes uh, you do have to, it's not like you're going to go to one store and find the dress and in 20 minutes and walk out. It just doesn't, it, it does take a little bit more time and effort. I, I would absolutely agree with you. And, and I guess our advice would be, like you said, maybe try on dresses in the real world. Uh, you know, it's fun to look at dresses online. It's fun to look at them in magazines, but they just look really different on real people. Yeah. And even if you're just trying for shapes or styles, just say you want to look at off-the-shoulder dresses, or you just want to look at this style or that style. You know, just just kind of experiment with different styles without getting caught up in this designer brand or this fabric. You're looking at the shape of the dress first uh, and how well it flatters you uh, before you get into the, you know all the other details about you know, the lace detailing or no detailing or the train or all those things. That's a good point. 
And then the last thing I wanted to ask about, because this was something else eye-opening I learned in your book, is gown preservation. What I took away was that it's a total crock. Often right. they don't do anything. Sometimes they don't even actually clean it. They charge right. you all this money. Um, I ended up preserving my gown myself just by having it dry cleaned and then wrapping it in linen and using acid-free containers and all that stuff. What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't think gown preservation is a worthwhile purchase. It's uh, some of these gown preservation companies charge three, four, or five hundred dollars to preserve your dress. And basically, what they claim they do is they clean it and then they put it in this this special magic box that's supposed to make it be preserved for what twenty years and some twenty five years or whatever. Then your your daughter down the line somewhere decides to wear your wedding dress. You know, the reality is no. That's probably not going to be the case. I think you're right. I think you can do it yourself. You can have the dress dry clean, take it to a reputable cleaner, someone you, who knows how to clean bridal dresses, and then all the supplies, uh, the boxes and the acid-free tissue paper, all the things that you use to you know, carefully wrap a dress, all can be found very inexpensively, and you can do it yourself. And You obviously store the dress. You don't store it in an attic or a basement. You have to store it in a place that's not going to be too hot or too cold. There's sort of climate control. Uh, and you, you don't have to spend you know, $300 more to have it perfectly preserved. That's great. Yeah, I have a tutorial. I mean, again, this is what I did. You'll have to check back with me in 20 years to see how good a job I did. But uh, right. <laughs> I have a tutorial on my website at DisneyTravelBabble.com. And we've been speaking with Alan Fields, who has a book called Bridal Bargains. It's available at... Uh, BridalBargainsBook.com is our direct address, BridalBargainsBook.com. Of course, you can also get the ebook today on Amazon or a- Apple's iPad, um, Barnes & Noble's Nook. It's also available in bookstores like Barnes & Noble or on Amazon. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Alan. I think you've offered so many valuable tips that are sure to save other brides as many hundreds of dollars as they saved me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's our show for today. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate the Disney Wedding Podcast on iTunes so that others will find it. You can also send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show's website. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons Guide. Available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at passporter.com slash weddings.asp or in print at passporter.com and amazon.com. <laughs>